My name is Savannah Barrett, and you're listening to Cults That Couldn't Cut It. I know many of you were upset about the way I covered the bird worshippers of Sheboygan. I got hundreds of messages and dozens of reviews telling me that the bird worshippers were a cult that could cut it, since they've got hundreds of thousands of views and a whole podcast just about them. Some of you even suggested that my past history with the Birds Aren't Real movement had something to do with my opinion. But I stand by my argument that since they only have five due-paying members, they really and truly couldn't cut it. They're a spectator cult, people. Since then, I've felt a little bit like the Crusader in the Seventh Seal, playing chess with death to keep from dying. Not like you're going to kill me, but like my show is running on borrowed time. I had no idea you people took bird worship so seriously. Anyhow, while I still have any listeners listening, I wanted to get to a topic that I've been meaning to cover for years. Today, I'm talking about a cult that's near and dear to my heart. It's the cult that gave me my start in the wide world of podcasting. I'm talking, of course, about the alchemical actors. I was an alchemical actor for years before starting the show, but I wasn't a part of the events that we're going to discuss today. In May 2023, Rob brought a group of actors out to the woods. I was away in Florida and I had already started developing cults that couldn't cut it, so I wasn't appearing on a cult confessions that often anyways. Um, So while the actors have alluded to some of the happenings at the retreat on the show, it's mostly become a subject of rumor, legend, and even myth. The alchemical actors weren't always a cult, and some say they aren't one now. Certainly in my time in the group and on the show, there was very little that I would identify as cult-like behavior. Apart from the fact that Rob was our unquestioned leader, and we shunned people who left us or spoke out against the show. But anyway, I spent three months interviewing the actors who did attend Rob's mid-spring retreat to bring the legend into reality on this cult that couldn't cut it. This is not something we'd ever done before. We'd have recording days, sure, and then there was the whole Dark Pool project, and then that time that we had to sign the Book of Rob, even though it was written entirely in hieroglyphics and nobody knew what it said. But this was something new. He'd rented a lodge that was sort of in the woods, but also around all these farm fields. It was like four hours away. Maybe three. No, no, it was four. There were 11 of us with Rob. I was in charge of rounding everyone up. We thought we were going out there to podcast or maybe do some theater games or something. Maybe like develop new episodes. We didn't really know, but it sounded like fun group bonding, you know? All the kids together. The trip was seven days from start to finish. We left on a Friday morning and came back on a Thursday night. We took a few cars. Rob was already there. We got on the road early because we had to get there by 11 in the morning. That's when we were starting, he said. But he didn't tell us what we were starting. I had a headache from the ride. I get them sometimes from the road. Maybe the sun. The lodge was nice, big enough for everyone. We slept a couple to a room. He said that we were going to make a circle on the back patio. I went out there with everyone else and we sat down and he was like, here's how we're spending the day. He gave everyone a sleeve of saltines and some apple juice and a mint tea or something. It was a cup and mug, I I remember. And then he said, you've got to buzz into the fourth dimension. We had to sit there until we were buzzing into the next dimension even if it took all day. He didn't even explain what that meant. Somebody started making this sound with their mouth, but then Rob was like, that's our dimension. You have to buzz into the next one. A couple of us started laughing, I guess because it's silly, but 
Also, Rob was really serious about it, or at least he seemed like he was, and it made me nervous. I mean, he had this food prepared, and we come all this way out here, and I guess it was some sort of exercise. So I said, I don't want to do this. My head hurts, and Rob was like, You can leave. Before the rest of this retreat, I will call you Sir Foofington of Poofersville. I remember that distinctly. He said, Sir Foofington of Poofersville. I went back inside and took a nap. Some of us started making sounds, but Rob didn't bother us anymore. I guess he could tell we were trying to push it into the fourth dimension. No, wait, the third. This is the third dimension, right? So, the fourth? All he cared is that we wanted to make it happen. And after a while, it got real quiet. Some people were crunching on crackers and slurping their juice and stuff, but everyone was focused. Like, we were eating, but we were still buzzing, just not with our mouths. We were buzzing with our minds, I guess. Or our souls, maybe? But in another dimension. Not this one. They came inside around the time it was getting dark. I was sitting on the couch playing a game on my phone or something, and Rob said, How are you feeling, Sir Foofington of Foofersville? It wasn't mean or anything. Like, he really wanted to know if I was alright, and he was just calling me by my name, and that was my name now. But we buzzed in another dimension. I, I don't know who heard us. I feel like I could hear some of the others, but not with my ears. It, it was weird. Maybe I imagined it. But, you know, some of the others did too. Maybe we all imagined it. But it was kind of intense in this really chill and relaxed way. Buzzy. Totally buzzy. The whole thing was pretty weird. But not as weird as it was going to get. The next day we had breakfast. Robert stuck up in the kitchen with oatmeal and eggs and stuff. I had like four eggs because I was hungry and I was doing this protein thing. Rob came up to me and was like, you chose the eggs. I was like, yeah, because I did. And Rob was like, then the choice is made. We looked at each other for a little while and I was like, stirring the eggs but not watching what I was doing. It felt like we were really connecting. Like I was doing something important and he knew it, but I wasn't. I was just scrambling three eggs. I mean, four. He told me not to put cheese on the eggs. He said, you can't eat cheese on your eggs until after the retreat. We went to this field next to the lodge. We didn't have to walk far. We went there a few times, and we all laid down with our heads pointed toward each other in this wide circle with all of us kind of spread out, and Rob got on a ladder in the middle. But he didn't carry a ladder when we walked out there. I don't know where it came from. That happened a lot, where there was stuff, but you didn't know how it got there to, like, a field or the woods or whatever. Rob just had it. And we were supposed to talk, but only have the conversation we were having. Like, make observations or comments, but just about what we were doing. Like, a conversation about the conversation. There was silence. There was silence, but then I started speaking. And I said there was a silence, and then I said there was a silence, but then I started speaking. One person is speaking, and the silence is broken, and now two people are speaking. One at a time, and they are speaking about speaking. And now speaking about speaking about speaking. We are following the one rule of the conversation we are supposed to be having. And so we are having that conversation. This is that conversation, and we are having it. It didn't make any sense to me, so I was like, I don't get this. I'm going back. And Rob said, you can leave, but for the rest of the trip, I'm going to call you Dr. Fufenotter von Fufenstein. And I said, whatever, okay. And I went back and made peanut butter crackers. 
Dr. Fufenutter von Fuferstein is leaving the conversation. There is one less person conversing. And yet, the conversation goes on. And this is that conversation. This conversation has no subject. Its subject is itself. Its subject is also its subject. It is a conversation about what the conversation is about. We did that for seriously like three hours. And then Rob started throwing marshmallows at our mouths, but he didn't get any of them in. Some of us kept talking, but some of us got up. Rob didn't really seem to care. He didn't give anyone any more names. Eventually, it just sort of ended. We went back and had lunch, and some of us got in the hot tub. There was a hot tub. That was pretty cool. What drugs was Rob on when he wrote this shit? I don't know, but, like, mad respect. <laughs> right? <laughs> So then, on Sunday, a couple of the voice boys showed up, you know, the guys who did voices on the show. We woke up, and they were just there. They hadn't been there before, but now they were all in the living room setting up this huge, like, game board or something, and Rob passed out these figurines, like, action figures and dolls and board game pieces. He had, like, 40 toys. It was, like, 30 different things. It had to have been 40 individual toys. And the guys started doing these voices, and Rob didn't give us any instructions, but we realized that we had to, like, use the toys to act out what they were saying on the big game board. I can't remember a lot of it, except for this one scene. There was a night, uh, like, um, like a fantasy night. It was written in this Shakespeare-speak style that didn't always make sense, but the story was pretty simple. I still remember it. It had I had this purple doll. I was the lunar murderer. I think probably Rob wrote it, but I guess he could have found it. He reads a lot of weird stuff. I am a knight of the sun, returned from my battle with the moon people, who have of late occupied our sacred tower of the sun. Moon people, I said, get out of this tower. But they would not. And I slew and slew. And many moon men fell around me, and even some moon women. And there were many horrors in the shadow of our sun tower. But alas, my fellow knights and I were not victorious. And so, I have come to this mausoleum in the land of the sun people to hang my head and bleed. What ho? Oh, what? Who disturbs my bleeding? It is I, the lunar murderer, a murderer by moonlight. You are in my mausoleum where I stow the people I've murdered, and yet you are not murdered. To remain, you must permit me to murder you. I will not. But you know my secret now. There is no option. Wait. Many a solar warrior has died at the hands of the moon people, and many a moon person at the hands of a solar warrior... This conflict has troubled my soul. This is what brings me by coincidence to your mausoleum. I cannot rest easy, murderer. And if you murder me now, then my restless ghost will haunt you day and night. Give me eleven days to make peace with my demise. Hmm. I will give you one. Okay. I will hie me to an alchemist hence, who shall transmute me so that the murderer may not recognize me. And then I may be transmuted once again to my original shape once the danger of the day has passed. <laughs> what hi? Hi, hey! Are you the alchemist I seek? Hmm, perhaps? I have been beset by a murderer of the moon and been given one day to live. I would prolong it. What for? 
My life has been a long and arduous struggle in the name of the Solar Priesthood. I am their humble sword, you see, and have known naught but bloodshed in the name of the sacred and fiery orb that governs our days. Hmm. If you have no joy in life, you can find no peace in death. Exactly my point. So you will help? If I can. Can you transmute bodies? Hmm, I can. Human bodies. Hmm, I might. My bodies. What would you be? A rabbit. Hmm, you must become female to become a rabbit. Make me female, then. Your phallus is too phallic for that. There must be a way. You might bathe with me in my <laughs> bath of bathing. A solar night must remain pure. Mm, then you must face your murderer. Wait! I will have your chemical wedding. <laughs> Let us bathe. Oh, too late. I have decided to become a rabbit and hop away from you. <laughs> Hold! I repent. I could be a rooster. Mm, but you never known an egg. Alack that the alchemist would not bathe with me. Still I must bathe. This is a lovely pond in which to refresh and cleanse my nakedness while I seek a way to escape my dreadful fate. But what sound is this amidst the water? Ho, he! Hee-ha! Comely milkmaid! You are naked and bathing in the water, which is your right, but still an inconvenience given my commitments. For I am a solar knight of the Knights of the Sun. Your vaginal bits doth pollute my purity with the nearness of their essence. Mm, draw closer, knight, for my essence may yet be your deliverance. I am sorely tempted. Where are you leading me, fair milkmaid? Must we leave the water in our nakedness? Let me fetch my kit, girl. Mm, we go to the Tower of the Moon, sweet solar knight. Why for to the Tower of the Moon so urgently? It has an aphrodisiac effect. Why does this kiss draw into my eyes a vision of the moon? I must not dwell upon your bits a moment longer since I am to be murdered this very night. Have you perchance a place for me to hide amongst your cows and straw and milk pails and other milking implements? You cannot hide from the lunar murderer amongst my... Milking implements, fair knight. How did you know it was a moon man that afflicted me? I can see his shadow on you. But if you can see the moon man's shadow, then you must be... <sighs> a lunar milkmaid. But our lips have kissed. Our bits have grazed. What have I done? I must kill you with a fiery solar vengeance and reclaim my manly innocence. Fear, knight, be gone. Wait, where is she gone? A rabbit with fur soaking in pond green standing there upon the shoreline. She was no milkmaid after all. The alchemist has been working her magic at my expense. I am suddenly struck with a thirst most thirsty. A well! There must be a well about someplace or other. Can this wayward knight, naked in his nakedness, not find himself a pail to drink from? Or a vessel of similar dimensions sanitary enough for imbibing water? Here, knight, a bucket deep and wide with which to quaff. My thanks, gentle sir. Mm -hmm. But wait, it's you. 
Your day has expired, knight. And now you must choke on your beverage. Yo-ho! Oh, no! Might I sip before you suffocate me in this mighty pot? Sip and die, dear knight. Sip and drown. I drink. I die. There were all these symbols, or at least I think they were symbols. It, it felt like there had to be a lesson in it, but nobody could figure out what that was. Maybe that was the point. There was so much more to it, but it's hard to keep it together in my head. That felt like the most important part, but plenty happened before and plenty happened after, and I'm not sure those characters came up again. The show was big and weird. It was a lot to process. Afterwards, I went for a walk into the woods to clear my head, but also kind of think on what it all might mean or what it was supposed to mean. I probably walked like 20 minutes from the lodge, and there were these bunnies in this big patch of clover, and I went to watch them. I stayed for maybe five minutes. It kind of focused me, and I felt like as I was watching them, I started to understand the play. I knew who the alchemist was, who she had to be. I knew what she was about and why she pretended to be the milkmaid. I took off my shoes and socks because I felt like it. When I was walking back, Rob was like, you chose the rabbit? And I was like, what does that mean? Uh, he was up a tree, by the way, like on a branch. I don't know how he got there or how long he was sitting there. I thought at first that he'd followed me, but then it seemed like he was just there first and it was all a coincidence unless it wasn't and he was like you saw the show and I was like yeah and he said do you choose the rabbit and I don't know why but I said yeah yes I chose the rabbit I was almost defiant about it he said don't overdo it with the milk then he just kind of dropped off the branch and fell on the ground on his face and then rolled over onto his back and looked up at the leaves, but he seemed okay, and, like, maybe he meant to get down that way, so I just kept walking. The day after the play, we took a long walk in the morning to these stone ruins. It was probably some kind of farmhouse, like it used to be a farmhouse, maybe. Most of the path was clear, and we could see it for a long while as we were walking, and Rob kept saying, don't you see anything up there? I was like, what, squirrels? But he didn't mean squirrels. I think I was the first to see it, like a mist moving up there. It sort of spread and started to take on different shapes. But I could see it. Not for a long time. Not till we were almost right on top of it. Then I saw it. It was a mist. I guess it was a magical mist, but it was also just a mist. Like, evaporation. It started whispering. Mostly facts about dairy products. Like, it started telling me how cheese was made. I feel like it said curdle a few times. And then it talked about butter for a while. I feel like it pointed at me, the mist, and it called me Randall. There were some gravestones up there. We couldn't make out the names. I started imagining that the graves were all different guys named Randall, that only Randalls have ever lived in this house and got buried here. I started to imagine all the ways Randall enjoyed his life in the stone house, doing different things like playing checkers with another Randall and churning ice cream and eating ice cream and laughing and planting bulbs in the flower garden with a couple of Randalls who were nothing like him, but were also Randalls. Randall seemed pretty cool. In a way, I guess he never died, because I was 
there with him, with the other Randalls in my head, and maybe in the mist too. Ooh, also, one of the Randalls had a goat that was his best friend. His name was Randall. We gathered up in the space where the building was, and Rob passed out apple slices. We kept expecting something else to happen, because everything had been so weird so far. But that was it. We just walked up there and ate apple slices. They were pretty good. I don't know where he got them from. Apples weren't in season or anything. Maybe that was the weird part. The mist told me a thing I didn't understand that wasn't about butter. That's all I know. It wasn't about butter. And then we walked back. The next day was probably the strangest. I feel like the talking about talking thing was the weirdest part, especially when he started throwing marshmallows at us. The day with the apple slices was the strangest day, I think. We walked out behind the lodge to this dirt patch and he handed out shovels. They weren't like little garden shovels, but they weren't full size either. And he had us all work together to dig a hole. He dug too. It was wide and the hole got pretty deep, maybe four feet down. Probably three feet. We dug about four feet down. And then we climbed inside. We fit all right. Some of us had to squeeze in and there were some limbs overlapping. Rob went first, but once we were all in there, he climbed out again and he sort of drizzled dirt on us. And somebody said, uh, wh what do we do now? And Rob said, you stay down there. And someone else said, uh, for how long? But he'd already walked away. We were down there for a while, like four hours. At least three. Maybe four hours. And I decided we didn't need to be down there anymore. Like, we did the thing, whatever it was. We dug it and we laid in it. Then we stayed down there for however long and that was enough. The exercise could be over now. So I got up. My legs were pretty stiff and a couple of the others got up and then everyone. We started climbing uh, out. Guys, I'm... Okay, I'm gonna go... You guys want some hot chocolate or... And that's when we heard it. Chocolate? This high-pitched yell, it cut through me. I got a chill. And here comes Rob with the guys who did the voices for the night in the Moon Man. And they're holding celery stalks over their heads like clubs. And they started wailing on us with this celery. And the celery cracks apart and they reach into their back pockets and... Or whatever. And they got more celery. And they started whacking us again. I saw this box of carrots, like a whole crate. Looking back, I'm sure he put it there on purpose. And then I grabbed a carrot and I started hitting them back. Sometimes we'd crack the celery and the carrot together like swords, but the carrots were harder, so the celery snapped. But then Rob would swing his other arm from behind with another celery stalk in his hand and crack it over our heads. They were all two-fisting the celery, and the carrots were snapping apart too. It was a mess. Vegetables all over the ground and in our hair and down our shirts. We did that for a while. Like an hour. I kept thinking it would end, but it didn't. And there seemed to be like infinite supplies of carrots and celery. So it just went on and on until we kind of just fell over in the grass. And Rob said, why did you fight us with those carrots? And somebody said, because you attacked us with celery. And Rob said, look around. Everybody was gone. It was just the three of us and Rob and the two guys. Everybody else had gone back inside the lodge. They were eating popcorn and playing with the toys. Somebody was heating up water for hot chocolate. I don't know why we were the ones to grab those carrots and fight, or how the others just walked away, but I had kind of an epiphany just then. I still had a carrot in my hand and I started eating it, and Rob said, Now you're the rooster. 
He said it like he'd been expecting it, but he wasn't sure if it would happen, and he was relieved that I pulled it off. Now you're the rooster. On Wednesday, Rob said we were going for a hike. We walked about seven miles from the lodge. It was kind of a warm day, and most of us were pretty tired by the time we got there. There were all these strawberry plants. And there was fruit on them. Lots of it. Like, strawberries in every direction. Rob didn't say anything. We just we just started picking them. And he laid out this big checkered blanket, like in the movies or something, and he had these little cakes. I don't know how he brought them. I actually didn't see him carrying anything except for his little drum. It's like the blanket and the cakes were already there waiting for us. We ate the strawberries, and we ate the strawberries on the cakes. It was so good. It was really nice. I wasn't thinking about what was going to happen next. I wasn't worried about anything. It was just me and everybody and some strawberries. Create the wonderful opportunity. Be the one to create the wonderful opportunity. Then he started tapping a rhythm on the drum. It was light. There was a bounce to it. I started moving. And a bunch of us were dancing. Everyone was dancing. It was the strawberry dance. I don't know how we were dancing, but whatever we were doing, that was the strawberry dance. The strawberry dance. Yeah, that was fun. And then we went back to the lodge. It was a nice day. It was a very nice day. Thursday was the last day. Rob found a bird's nest in a bush. It was a cardinal's nest. And we all gathered far enough not to disturb the birds, but close enough to see the nest. And we waited for the birds to be born. There was no good reason why we should have thought the birds were going to be born right then and there. I mean, it could have been days. Maybe the eggs were brand new. Maybe he thought all of us concentrating on it would hurry it along. Like the bird would gestate faster. But the anticipation was starting to get to me. Some part of me knew that Rob wasn't really waiting for the egg. I started to think he was waiting for me. I was pretty sure he was waiting for me. I was the rooster. I was the rabbit, after all. I started taking off my clothes. Maybe that wasn't what we were meant to do, but we both started doing it. We were both stripping down, and he wasn't stopping us. Once we were naked, I opened my legs in kind of a mountain pose, and he stood on one leg, and we grabbed each other's hands and made kind of like a bridge, and the other actors started to crawl between us. And then they were taking off their clothes, and everyone was rolling in the grass. I hadn't touched milk in days. I'd been eating eggs, but no cheese. We'd accomplished the ritual. I was Randall, and Randall was me. But there was never a Randall up until that moment. I invented Randall right then and there. I didn't have to be Randall, but I could be if I wanted to. I was no longer Sir Foofington of Foofersville. I was me. And I would never be Dr. Foofernutter of Von Foofenstein again. I knew from that moment forward, I would never wield a carrot in anger. Strawberries and tarts were still a thing to be discovered. The world was someplace new. I looked for Rob to see what he thought, but I couldn't find him. He'd left. Already went home. We didn't see him again that trip. The night before, he woke me up at four in the morning. Three in the morning. A little after four, and he said, This is not a cult. The cult is over. This is not a cult. The cult is over. This is not a cult. The cult is over. And I guess it was. 
Cults That Couldn't Cut It is brought to you by pretty much no one anymore. You people got real butthurt about the bird worshipper episode. Seriously, if I had any idea, I wouldn't have come anywhere near it as a topic. So this show is pretty much over. You know, Rob used to love the time between projects. He said you start imagining the next project and you're free from all the constraints that you created and bound yourself to making the last one. You could create anything at all. Like a whole podcast about how people who are obsessed with the bird worshippers but aren't actually bird worshippers themselves are the worst people. I probably shouldn't do that. I don't really know how many topics I could squeeze out of that anyway. Maybe I'm already on to my next show. Sometimes you don't know you're in the next world until you've been there for a few days. You're listening to Cults That Couldn't Cut It for the Last Time.